The following sermon is by Dr. Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Josh. Have you ever experienced um, perhaps a season in your life that felt like darkness that would not lift? Or like a night that you longed to wake up from, but you couldn't? Perhaps you even felt abandoned by God, hoping for deliverance. This is what Psalm 30 is about. It's about the experience that many have found of an ineffable release from despair, illness, defeat, or even the distance of God himself to a joyful transportation of safety, victory, and intimacy with our maker. We need Psalm 30. We need Psalm 30 because it tells us about that great reversal that God can work. In the month of November, we are looking at Psalms of Thanks, Psalms of Thanksgiving. And Psalm 30 is one of those wonderful ones. And the title of today's sermon is Thank God Joy Comes with the Morning. Let's look at that together from Psalm 30. Please look in verse 1 as we'll see that truth. Verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. Here, the psalmist thanks God that he can deliver us even from evil or enemies. Verse 2, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. Here, the psalmist thanks God that he answers prayer. Verse 3, O Lord, you've brought up my soul from Sheol. Sheol can refer in the Bible to eternal destruction or hell, But more commonly in the Psalms, it refers to death. So he had a near-death experience. Verse 3 continues, You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. The Lord is the kind of Lord that delivers from evil, answers prayer, and rescues lives on the brink. These are general blessings that God can fulfill. Now the psalmist wants to remind us of that, so look in verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and now a key phrase for us this month, give thanks to his holy name. Here he calls all of us who know the Lord to together give thanks. Here are the good things the Lord can do. And yet sometimes we're acutely reminded of our need for the Lord to do those good things because we have experiences where we feel God's disfavor. Notice now verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. This verse, I think, is the key. It's my favorite. You could probably tell from the title. (laughs) But this verse seems to come out of the blue. Four verses of Thanking God for all the wonderful things he does? Where did anger come from? Where did disfavor come from? How do we explain that? How does God's anger fit? And to understand it, we need to keep reading. Verse 6. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. You see now why he experienced God's anger? Because of his pride. In his prosperity, he thought, I shall never be moved. He had a false sense of security in his earthly success. And thus he thought he no longer needed God. The NIV paraphrases it well. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. 
But actually, the success he had was only from the Lord. And the Lord could easily take it away. So look in verse 7. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. But you hid your face, and I was dismayed. You see the contrast? I went from success and security to dismay. I went from prosperity and favor to the hiding of God's face. God hiding his face is a common Old Testament way of saying God removing his favor, the withdrawal that is punitive because of our sinfulness, in this case because of our pride. Now, verse 6, in my prosperity I said I shall never be moved. Does that not sound a lot like 2020? (laughs) So if you can possibly imagine it, try to imagine how you felt in January of 2020. Do you remember that simpler month? That simpler time when you thought, I shall never be moved? In January, I was just a couple weeks from my wife's birthday, which is February 7th. And my, my wife loves playing board games with me, but she also hates playing board games with me because I win a lot, even when I try not to. <laughs> so I was trying to Google a board game we could play where we would be on the same team, a cooperative board game. And so in January, we're at Target, and I'm Googling. I'm in the aisle with some kids. She's in, like, the Bath and Body aisle with the other kids. And I'm Googling cooperative board games so that we can play them together. Remember, this is January. And the first game at the top of the list, I walk down the aisle at Target, and they have the game. And the name of the game is Pandemic. It's a cooperative board game. (laughs) I'm not kidding. So I buy this board game in January not knowing what the word Pandemic means. We play the game, and within a couple months, we all know what the word pandemic means. And I'm not, this is a true story. The first time we played the game, the outbreak happened in China. I'm not even kidding you. It's not a Ouija board, I checked. It was a normal board game, and that's how it broke out. But if you can remember how you felt in January, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. We thought of our economy, it shall never be moved. We thought of our colleges, they shall never be closed. We thought of our law and order system, it shall never be exposed for being corrupt. We thought of our cities, they shall never be rioted and destroyed. We thought of our safety, we shall never be moved. But brothers and sisters, is it not true that God can make our mountains strong, but God can crumble it in a moment? See, this text reminds us That if we are self-confident and proud, the Lord is more than capable of exposing our false sense of security. Over 20 years ago, James Montgomery Boyce was commenting on Psalm 30, and he wrote this. Self-confidence, rather than God-confidence, is a common failure among us. Blessed as many of us have been with abundant wealth, enviable education, and technical skill. As a people, we think we can prosper by our hustle. As a church, we think we can manage our affairs and advance our work by secular skill and fundraising technique without relying on God. As a nation, we think we can survive on the strength of our military and industrial production. What a shaking there will have to be. What calamities before we again humble ourselves under the hand of God and look to Him alone to exalt us in His way and His time. And he wrote that over 20 years ago. Psalm 30 reminds us that when we say, I shall never be moved, boy, God can move us. 
When we say our mountain is strong, God can hide his face and we can feel dismay. Purposefully, Psalm 30 does not reveal the exact situation in which God humbled the writer. I think that's on purpose because these are situations that will return again. But most commentators think the situation was when David sinfully numbered his army. Do you remember this in the Bible? God told him, do not number your army. I do not want you going into battle thinking because of the number of your people, you will be strong. But David had a moment where he looked at his prosperity, looked at his success, the best kingdom that the nation of Israel had ever had, and he thought, why not number my army and put my confidence in what I possess? And David was cursed with sickness. And yet he responded to it correctly. You see, when our pride causes God to hide his face from us, we need to be humbled. Because sometimes when God allows us to prosper, we forget that every good gift comes from above. So how should you and I respond when our pride has caused God to hide his face from us? And we're going to read how in verses 8 and 9. We'll read three answers right away. Verse 8, to you Oh, Lord, I cry. I actually think that phrase is so easy to overlook. Let me explain why it's so important. When we sin, and therefore God rightly has anger for a moment and hides his face from us, we must not run from the Lord. We must run to the Lord. But most of us, when we sin, our default setting is to hide. It was the default setting of our oldest grandparents, Adam and Eve. They sin they run. Now, praise God, he's the kind of God that pursues us. But when we run from the Lord, we have danger of losing our connection and our only hope in life and death, which is the Lord. Another illustration of why this is such a big deal. On the night Jesus was betrayed, don't forget, two people betrayed him. Judas got his 30 pieces of silver and had kissed Jesus to identify him as the person to be crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. But that same night, Peter betrayed Jesus three times. Have you noticed how differently they responded? When Judas betrayed Jesus, he ran from Jesus in shame, and he hung himself. When Peter betrayed Jesus, the next time Peter saw Jesus, Peter was on a boat, and Jesus was on the land. And what did Peter do? He couldn't even wait for the boat to dock. He jumps off, swims to shore to run to the person he has betrayed. When you sin, run to the Lord. And then what do we need to do next? Verse 8 continues, to the Lord we plea for mercy. By the way, we can't plea for justice, can we? Because that would only mean asking for us to feel the full punishment our sin deserves. We plea for mercy. But how can God be holy and just and then be merciful to any of us when we've wronged him? We'll save the answer to that for later, but feel the angst of it now. But then the third thing we must do, when our pride causes God to hide his face from us, we must resolve to praise the Lord for the sake of his glory. Look in verse 9. Lord, what profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? I can think of times in my own life where I've gone through a hardship that was at least partially my doing because of my sinfulness. 
And had that moment continued and bloomed into all the bad things that could have come down the pipe, there's a sense in which I wouldn't have been able to praise God. Therefore, the motivation here is very personal. Yes, I deserve the hardship that's coming, but Lord, if in your mercy you withhold it, then I can continue to praise your name. See, it is God's glory that actually propels this prayer. Verse 10 then, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, spare thy poor unworthy one for thine own name's sake. This leads us now to number three. Thank God that he turns mourning with a U into dancing. Verse 11, you have turned from me my mourning that is weeping into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth, which was a visual way to show heavy, hard, hard, heavy-hearted repentance, and clothed me with, with gladness. Again, the reversals are pr- profound. From weeping to dancing, to having an exterior clothing of sorrow, to an exterior clothing of gladness. Verse 12, that my glory may sing your praise. Now that, that phrase is, is very odd, right? That my glory, it almost sounds like, is he being proud? But this is a Semitic way of saying all my being. In Psalm 16, verse 9, in Psalm 108, verse 1, it says my glory. But let me give you one that makes more sense in English. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That's what my glory means. So all that is within me, bless his holy name. So that all that is within me may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. In other words, my glory will be in glorifying you because of the reversal you've worked in my life. But let me return to the question I left hanging before. How can holy, just, righteous God be merciful to any of us when our pride rightly invites punishment. Let's think very personally here for a moment. What do you do if you have messed up? And spoiler alert, we all have. (laughs) So you're here this morning, you have sinned, you have been proud, you have invited God to hide his face from you. What do you do now? When we've been proud and life crashes around us and our strong mountain crumbles to dust, what hope is there? that joy could come in the morning to those who don't deserve it. And here's the reason that God can be merciful and give joy to those of us who deserve nothing but punishment. It's because there was one day in the history of the human race that was darker than every other day that's ever been before or since. That day is recorded for us in Matthew 27. It tells us that when Jesus was on the cross, from the six-hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. You think you've had nights that are dark? This was the darkest of them all. Remember our psalmist said, you hid your face from me? Remember what Jesus cries on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, because of the darkest night in human history, the night that God hid his face from his only son, the true darkness turn to the dawn of the brightest of all mornings. This is why Matthew 28 begins with, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, the angel told Mary, 
He is not here, for he is risen. Come see the place where he is laid. You see, Jesus had the darkest night of weeping, but the greatest joy of mourning in his resurrection. And because God put our sin on Jesus, for those of us who receive it in faith, we can cry for mercy and we can have joy in the morning. In fact, we can have joy for a morning that never ends. The only reason a sinner can talk with confidence about joy is because we have confidence not in ourselves but in God's Son. Our joy comes because of His body bearing our sin. See, there's only really three worldviews you can have in life. You can be a realist, which means you'll be drowning in despair. You can be an optimist, which means you'll have to deny reality. Or you can know Jesus. And through Him and Him alone, you can confidently say, joy comes with the morning. I actually love the way the ESV translated it. Almost all the other English translations translated joy comes in the morning, but I like that they translated it joy comes with the morning. Have you ever noticed in the middle of the night, if unfortunately you're awake and it's very dark, you have your greatest fears and most worrisome thoughts? It's not an accident. That moment when you're sleep deprived and the room is dark and everything seems hopeless, you have nothing but despair. But have you noticed how it changes when the sunlight breaks through your window and starts to spill into your bedroom? See, joy comes along with the morning, commensurately. Because God put our sin on His Son, we can enjoy verse 5. Will you look at it again in Psalm 30? It's my favorite of the psalm. For His anger is but for a moment. Let's pause on that phrase. Does God ever have anger for his children? The answer is yes. Hebrews 12 says, Despise not the discipline of the Lord. Will not an earthly father chasten his son whom he loves? So the Lord chastens those children whom he loves. But you know what Hebrews 12.10 says about discipline? It's only for a short time. So rejoice in this, Christian, even when you sin. His anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy always comes with the morning because of the cross. In reality, because of our sin, we deserve anger for a lifetime. We deserve weeping forever. We deserve a life of always night. But because of the cross, we can have favor that lasts forever. We can have joy that comes with the morning. And did you know, in fact, that when you read the very end of the Bible, we find out that the joy that comes with the morning never clicks over tonight again. In Revelation 21, we we read this about the eternal city for God's people. I saw a city with no sun or no moon, for the glory gives it its light, and the lamp is the Lamb. By His light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth, and its gates will never be shut, and there will be no night there. Revelation 22.5, night will be no more, for the Lord God will be our light, and He will reign forever and ever. You see, there is a day coming where you'll never have evening again. You'll never have night again. You'll never have mourning again. You'll never have weeping again because joy is eternal for those who are in Jesus. So Christian, 
Remember something this morning. The worst night you ever have in this world will be as bad as this life can ever be. And eternal joy will come. But I do need to speak to you directly this morning if you're listening and you haven't come to Christ. Because the best day you ever have here will be as bright as your life will ever be. And what you have to anticipate is eternal night and eternal weeping that never ends. Boyce, I'll quote again, he writes, even the very wicked may have an occasional moment of what they think of as heaven on earth. That beautiful sunny day where everything's going well. But their portion hereafter will be hell. In fact, even if they go through what they think of as hell now, as they sometimes say they do, that hell will be heaven compared with the judgment that is yet to come. And it will come. It is true to say that for those who do not have Christ, the anger of the Lord will last not only for a lifetime, but forever. So the time to discover God's favor through Jesus Christ is now. So that you can experience the joy that comes with the morning. How do you receive the joy that comes with the morning? You ask for mercy. God, forgive me. Please give me what I don't deserve. Give me joy and light and mourning because Christ earned it in my place. So this morning when you're blessed and things are going well, never think, I shall not be moved. When you're feeling God's face is hidden, never think it's hopeless. Because of Jesus Christ, we should remain humble. But because of Jesus Christ, we remain hopeful. Because since he is the solid rock, we know our house will never be destroyed. This is why we can thank God joy comes with the morning. Let me explain personally why this verse has been such a help to me even this week. Last week on Thursday, I came in here and a good friend from Michigan called and he was being wheeled back to the hospital. And so I came down here up front to pray with him over the phone. And that evening, he incredibly unexpectedly died. And so this past four days or so, I flew back to Michigan to conduct a funeral for a family I love very, very much, uh, who I have a strong relationship with, who just went through a completely unexpected death. And flying back and seeing people you love so much who you haven't seen for some time, and kneeling down to a wife who has just lost her husband with no expectation that her day was gonna end that way, I had the joy of being able to say to her, Joy comes with the morning, and here's why. Because for his funeral, I preach Revelation 21, verse 4, which says this, He will wipe every tear from our eyes. You see, for those who know Christ, it's not realism with despair. It's not optimism that denies reality. It is the truest reality. It is that with Jesus, there is joy in the morning. But then I did that thing that I know you've done it too. You see people that are out of state, family that you love, and realistically, you're not sure if you're going to see them again or when you're going to see them again. So you do that thing where you take a really long time saying goodbye. (laughs) You're trying to hem and haw about uh, what else is in the car and what maybe you forgot, but anything you can do to avoid saying goodbye. But this is the other beautiful thing I was able to remind us of at the funeral. You know that wonderful phrase from 1 Thessalonians 4? So shall we 
forever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Why can the Christian say, those who are in Christ will forever be with the Lord? Why can we say, joy comes with the morning? Here's why. Because God hid his face from his only son. So that those who don't deserve it but come to his son can behold his face together forever. Because of what Christ has done, there is always joy with the morning. So brothers and sisters, let us not foolishly think that our success means we shall never be moved. Let us confidently say that Christ is the solid rock on which we stand. Therefore, joy always comes with the morning. Let's close in prayer this morning. God, as you know better than anyone in this room, I have many many reasons to invite your righteous discipline as a father. You can and should look down from heaven and see my life and respond to it with anger for times that I sin. But Lord, not because of me, but because of Christ, that anger is only for a moment. And that discipline is only for a short time. And even on the hardest days I'll ever have in this world, I can confidently say, joy will always come with the morning. Lord, we thank you that for the Christian, the worst day that we'll ever have is as bad as it will ever get. But Lord, we appeal strongly to anyone who doesn't know Christ because for them, the best day they ever have here will be as good as it ever gets. But Lord, Jesus Christ came and took what hid your face so that you could look at us and behold us and we could behold you face to face. So Lord, this morning, perhaps someone needs to come and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me for the fact that I, up until today, have rejected your son. But today, Lord, in trust, I come to Jesus Christ. Help them to pray that now so that they can now say, in Christ I shall never crumble. But Lord, if we base our hope on our own success, have you not reminded us this year that anything we think in this world is stable can crumble immediately? So remind us, Lord, of the one and only solid rock and remind us that all other ground is sinking sand. In Christ we pray, amen. You've been listening to Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, go to ebcraleigh.com. That's ebcraleigh.com.